Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to AZ Brandcasts, where we talk about all sorts of awesome people, about the power of brand, and how to build great brands in our remarkable state of Arizona. I'm your host, Mike Jones, with my co-host, Chris Stadler, as usual. Um, and today, we've got an awesome special guest. His name is Greg Head uh, from Scaling Point and also of Greg's List Acclaim. Uh, I feel like that's been a big part of how I've gotten to know about you. And we'll, be, we'll dig into that because I think that's a cool story. Um, and we're going to be talking about the tech industry here in Arizona, specifically the software tech industry. So Greg's got a lot of experience with that. But first, a word from our sponsors, Chris. Yes, I'm Chris. I'm Mike's co-host. And I want to tell you about our sponsor, CCAZ. Our f- fantastic, fantastic friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona are sponsoring us. This local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing business for good is just good business. This local chapter of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated hosts tons of local events and provides resources for business leaders to instill a higher purpose in their company and engage all their stakeholders. Be sure to check them out at ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com. Yeah, it's a great group. I love them. Great group. And we're really thankful that they are sponsoring our show. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. As Karen nods her head, our producer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Greg, um, before we jump into the nitty gritty of who you are and what you do and things that you want to think about and that we love to talk about, like Arizona and technology and industries and where things are going, we have an icebreaker first. Oh, because I feel like that's the only way you can really get to know somebody. Right. Um, or, or also, I mean, Greg's been just like dancing this whole time. I mean, what a great guest. Like <laughs> yeah, we're talking, he's like getting loose and everything. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> this icebreaker better, it probably is going to be awesome. Yeah. No pressure. Hopefully it's not a letdown from if, the dancing. If you, don't, if you don't have anything to say, just dance, man. <laughs> well, any ice is good in Arizona. Let's yeah, any it. ice is good. So if you could pick a place in Arizona <laughs> to spend the rest of your life, with the caveat of not the valley, because that would be super boring totally. as an answer, where would it be? Not the valley. That's a good one. Were you going to say the valley? You were going to say the valley, were you? Well, you know, I don't get out of the valley very much. I've been here 23 years. I have an electric car and everybody says, gosh, what's going to happen when you get out of town? And I say, well, I don't get out of town that often. I'm on a plane. So, I'll, you know, I'll say, I'll say Prescott. Prescott's okay. a happening place. It's yeah. beautiful. It's not uh, overrun like Sedona. Yeah. You know, Flagstaff, pretty cool on the up, upswing. So mm. I like to go one one place removed from the hotspot. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Prescott's got a lot going for it right now, too. Yeah. It's been growing a lot. Uh, I think it's actually technically larger now in population than Flagstaff, hmm. which is bizarre to me. It's like, really? that That's happening? Yeah. So, And it's within range of an electric car? Oh, yeah. Apparently? Yes. So, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's a charging uh, station far. up there. It's like yeah. an hour and a half drive, if that. Yeah, right. Depending on how much you put the pedal to the metal. That's awesome. Well, I want to start with uh, just kind of the overall journey of Greg Head. Uh, tell us about your journey in marketing and kind of where you've been and how you, how you got to where you're at now. Well, let's see how fast I could do it because I've been around a little <laughs> while. And, and uh, the cliff notes. Uh, yeah, the cliff notes. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago and I got my start in the software industry in the late 80s when I came back from the University of Iowa and a buddy of mine said, hey, work with me at uh, this software retail store, this new thing. 
and what software, you know, I'd already done the retail thing, worked my way through college, but uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't fit in a suit and it was kind of, you know, got done traveling and was kind of clueless. So the store was called Egghead Software, which was oh. the first national retailer of software yeah. in the box, like it all started. So um, when PCs were, you know, just starting to happen. So I was Greg Head from Egghead. I just put it right there out there on the radio. Uh, there's me in the suit, all the other college misfits, you know, looking for jobs. And name tag, Egghead Software, Greg Head. Everybody look at it and say, is, is this Mike Head? Is this right? So uh, I've been in the did software. Did you sell more software that way? Is that an advantage it, that you noticed? Yeah, it's, it was an icebreaker nice. there. It was very good. And uh, But uh, I was very, it was like plastics. You know, just started plastics, as the old saying goes. Uh, I started software when it was totally geeky and silly and small and all that. But Wait, were you there when Windows 95 hit the shelves? I was there eight years before that. Dang. Yeah. So DOS was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and Macs were DOS just cool. kind of happening and all that stuff. So it was it was early. So there's, again, start early, yeah. off the beaten track, and, you know, uh, nobody knew this would be as huge as it was. And so I've been in the software industry. I found, I did that and uh, uh, for a couple of years, managed stores and found a software program for salespeople to manage their contacts and everything else, which was totally newfangled back then, mm -hmm. called ACT, Contact yep. Management Software. I joined the 10-person company that made it and traveled around selling and evangelizing. Like and OG CRM. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, back then, uh, you know, it's contact management software. It's before CRM and yep. sales automation. And we actually had to find salespeople who used computers. And 90% mm. of them didn't. Mm. Even people who sold computers didn't use computers. That was for finance That's people crazy. to use spreadsheets. It's like drugs, though. You don't use, you don't use your own. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what they thought. So again, I was for fortunate. I got in the first ten people I ever sold act to from the store came back and said, "This is amazing. It's changed my life." And I'm never going back. And I bought a new computer to lug around with me, like fifty pounds and all that stuff. So I knew something was going on. So I joined a little company and uh, helped that grow. And that was sold to Symantec, and you know, became product manager and. So it was, you know, a new category, the new thing. There wasn't contact management software. We actually made up the words contact management. Hmm. They didn't exist. And we took it to PC Magazine. He said, we need to write reviews. We took it to all the retailers and said, put all the ones that are like this over there, call it contact management. We called ourselves contact software and the product was act. We were the leader. And so six years later, an overnight success, everybody says, <laughs> what do I get? For a salesperson, you get a contact manager, which one you get act. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the scalable story, not running around selling everybody individually, which is what you do to start. The scalable story is being a leader at something mm -hmm. important for someone yep. specific. And so when sales teams were starting to use or sales teams were starting to get the hang of it and the VP of sales say, I got five act users and maybe if everybody got in the database and we had a forecast, which was like mind-blowingly future-oriented <clears throat> in the mid-90s. Uh, was starting to happen. That's called sales automation. Mm -hmm. So the founder of ACT, myself, and a few others started a company here called Sales Logics in 1996. And was this time we got a little venture funding and built it up and grew it fast and went public, you know, in 99 and built a $30 million company. Uh, That's awesome. In four years. And that was like, really exciting. And, you know, and it just, you know, there's a lot of lessons, a lot of mistakes, a lot of craziness so we I were cra i'm i'm one of the crazy ones yeah and uh i hang out with those people 
we actually bought ACT back from Symantec and I ran that. That's crazy. So I started with Greg Head from Egghead Name Tag selling <laughs> ACT. And 12 years later, I was president running a 200 person organization <laughs> global. And, you know, I was in charge of the whole business. We grew it to $50 million. That's awesome. And so it's 4 million ACT users. So yeah. Yeah. My son, who's d- doing a startup in New York City, he says, thanks, dad, for your help. Like all the advice I give you? No, because all the old guys that have money, we're trying to raise money for, they know about ACT. So when yeah. I say you're ACT, you know, they all go, oh, ACT. So, but if you say it to anybody under 35, they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah so I know ACT. Yeah. Well, then I'm you're barely under your, I'm you're dating barely under, yeah, I know. Yeah. So done in a couple generations, uh, SalesLogix with mid-market software, you know, on the common database and Windows and all that stuff. And um, so I've been part of all of that. And then uh, most recently, after uh, some other ventures, not everything went straight up, but mm-hmm. uh, I helped Infusionsoft uh, grow from 15 to 100 million as the chief marketing officer there. So that's another category, early, uncool, yep. make it big, make it cool, be the leader kind of thing. Uh, it's easy to say, hard to do. You know, that's that's the those are my three big yeah. wins there. So I'm an early market guy. If you mm-hmm. can see, I just don't want to go where everybody is. Uh, I'm actually not one of the cool kids. Uh, I go where it's not cool, and then I make that cool, and then I, yeah. you know, change the game on everybody. And uh, um, and I like and nowadays with Scaling Point, um, I consult with the crazy A player entrepreneurs that say this is newfangled, and there's ten of us and twenty customers, and we're onto something, and someday everybody's going to be doing it, and we're going to be the one, Create right? That category, and which you know, basically everybody in Phoenix says. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, except for people like us who say, well, that's how you do it. Those are really the people I support in my consulting and business. And, the, you know, I'm helping the whole ecosystem here, but really I'm trying to get the big swinging visionary. Let's, you know, create something and mm-hmm. solve a world problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Not just making a small business is cool and yeah. it's interesting and it's hard. Uh, yep. But if you're going to do that, you can also solve big problems in the world. We helped yep. get salespeople on computers. We helped create the CRM industry. We help automate small business in the modern sales and marketing digital world with yeah. Infusionsoft. <clears throat> we, you know, like thousands of employees have worked for me. Infusionsoft Act and Sales Logics have, I just did a quick calculation on the way over here in my head, have sold two and a half billion dollars worth of software. And d- and it's not like, gosh, those are the kings. No, these were the crazy people and every, they're around the kitchen table. And There's got to be a small country whose GDP is less than that. that we can compare to. I just well, don't know what right now. I, I just did the thing. Like, I just did the numbers game that said over 30 years, right? There's the math. Yeah, uh, right. so like the government says, your yeah. savings over 20 yeah. years is going to be this and household budgets and entrepreneurs don't think that way but no. uh, mm-hmm. i just nice little math no there. it was it's a part great, of that's a great number to so use the a, biggest number possible i have a question for you so it had to have been hard right there had to have been things you had it was to only hard of, <laughs> right okay thank you good all right so we're at a good place i mean just to be what clear is, for people it's just don't deceive yourself this is an extreme sport it's really hard but it's possible normal people who do extreme things and mm-hmm. don't have hobbies for 25 years Right. Don't get out of Phoenix for 10 years. Right. Like can, I, can only think of Prescott to visit. Outside. Yeah. And, I, and I've been there twice. So, you know, I'm faking it. So, you know, I've been to, I, you know, I was in London once a month for three years and I never made it outside of Phoenix. So, mm. you know, as we help grow it. So it's hard, but it's also possible. Right? So here's the question though. Here's yeah. the real question is, is so 
what is there a particular survival story that you like to to share with people that kind of gives it gives that might give the listeners a glimpse into the kind of the realities well nobody really sees you know the simple thing is oh we had this idea and then uh Act, you know, four million people change the world. Contact man made it up, right? Yeah, it's beautiful, easy, straight line, no problem. You're making me want fish and ships right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I mean, that's the story. Facebook, it's huge and everything. So, but nobody sees the 35 death defying moments that happened. So, what was number 33? Well, let's see. I lived through the dot-com era, so it was a crazy upswing, and we were in a practical business, which was kind of uncool mm. back in the dot-com, you know, mm -hmm. if it's not eyeballs and, you know, pets.com or something, you're not cool. Com. Yeah, so, you know, um, laying off 100 people, mm. you know, when we had to right-size mm. after the market realized uh, this isn't moving as fast as everybody thought it wanted to, you know, that was really crazy. You know, I lived through making payroll or the quarterly number for the public company for 20 years. So I got to live through the spikes of hmm. stress and all that kind of stuff. So, you know. So what did you guys do? So that's a good example, right? So you guys, so the, the dot-com bus, right? Yeah. You had to lay off those people, right? So when did you start to come out of that and, and, and how did that work? You mean, how did we get to the other side as a reasonable business? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was quite a mania, and it uh, deflated in about four months. The <clears throat> whole bubble popped. Uh, it That's just went crazy. straight down. And so there were empty buildings all over Silicon Valley in, within three months. It went from, mm. you can't spend enough money, it's all about the eyeballs, to, we're, you know, it's, you're done, right? So... We actually sold the company at that time to Sage. So that was part of our, you know, uh, flight to safety strategy. It was a successful sale and everything, mm -hmm. but we got rational really quickly mm. uh, again. And I, we've been rational. When you create a company and grow it without crazy funding, which is how most do it, uh, you're pretty rational most of the time. So, you know, on the other side of it, if you're onto something and people are committed to it and there's an actual fundamental business there, people get back to work pretty quickly. Hmm. It, it's a leadership role to say, and we'll be okay, and uh, uh, sorry for the bumps and bruises uh, around here. You know, 20 years ago, if people signed up to work for a software company, venture-funded or growth company, doing these kind of, you know, first 15 years of my career, the companies I worked for grew 50 or 100% a year, right? And Which is kind of brutal. You know, it's hmm. exciting when you hear about it. It's kind of brutal when you go through it. These are all kind of adventurers and kind of pioneers. Like, hey, you want to climb Everest? Yeah, 99% of people don't, yes. right? It, startups and all this stuff is cool now and everybody wants to do it. But back then it was insane and only the crazies showed up. So you rally the crazies and uh, you get back to work. And you get back to work really quickly. So, mm. yeah, you got to have a vision and got to have a real business. Mm. And, and people like to build it. And to be honest, for me, it was actually, aside from the uh, changes I just talked about, it was kind of relief to run a rational business, to make users happy. You get money and you build things in the next feature as opposed to, look, over there, yeah. go build a rocket. I don't understand that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of yeah. practical yes. guy. In yes. the, so in the long run, reality wins. Yep. Well, I liked what you said, having a vision and having a real business. 
And if you lack one of those, those two, when yeah. you hit those major speed bumps, man, it's really hard to keep people on track. Yeah. So you can even contrast the two things. Sometimes it's all vision and no uh-huh. business. And sometimes it's all business and no vision. And this is the magic trick. You got to survive and, you inspire. know, inspire the, your own team. The bigger thing is you actually have to inspire the world yep. to f- follow and use contact management software. That was the hardest part of all of this and everything was hard. But the hardest thing was convincing salespeople, get on your computer, boot up act, put your contacts in, learn to type, mm. right? Change everything, every habit you do from writing in your daytime. Or it, well, like en- enter notes. I mean, I can imagine that oh, would be disruptive was... to, to their day, to well, their normal way of doing things. You're requiring your customer to change their own process. Mm. Yeah. And like in the end, it's going to be better for them. But Well, so you don't hard. actually go out there and say change your process. You find the ones who are changing their process and yeah. writing sideways and organizing on paper and say, there's a better way it's computer. And this is the early adopters, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You go to the crazy ones in the corner, right? And then you go with them and then you keep going and, and then you find people who, oh, there's more people learning to type yep. and learn computers and then everybody gets it. And so by the time you get to everybody, you're the one, but you started in the corner. With the early adopters, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the Apple See what model. I'm saying? Yeah. I know it's everything is like that podcasting, Phoenix, Phoenix Tech. You could just go back to the beginning. It's a bunch of crazy people in the corner saying, someday this will be real. And everybody says, uh-uh, right? Yep. And not everything that people say will be real grows up, but yeah. everything that's up, quinoa yep. and Donald Trump and uh, electric cars now, you, it starts with a crazy person and their band of crazy people uh, that they recruit. And... Um, those are the people I support. That's mm-hmm. why I do what I do is because I, if the crazy people who have the real idea to solve the real problem in the world, right? If they, they don't succeed and they don't turn that crazy startup into a scaled up thing, then uh, we don't get the solution. Yeah, right. And the solution doesn't happen by the crowd. It doesn't happen by big companies and it doesn't happen by government to solve the new problems. Yep. Mm-hmm. Look at wherever we are. Uh, look at whiteboards and flat screens and co-working spaces and the rest you go back you go to the beginning of it the world didn't say i prefer a co-working space no it was five years of what do we call this thing <laughs> yep. yeah right and every you know you know derek and jade from gangplank here mm-hmm. in town they tell the story of opening up their first co-working space 10 years ago yeah they were way ahead yeah and it was way crazy ahead. and derek and says was, yeah people would walk crazy. in and to the space and he'd say you can work here and there's wi-fi and you laptop and a desk and they would stand there for five minutes kind of stunned with, I never, I don't know what this is. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? What do I need? To, who do I pay? Like, <laughs> yeah, where's he, my walls? And Der- where's Derek my was, is a revolutionary. Yeah, totally. So he's like, you don't pay. He's just trying to blow their mind, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know. and so, I'm a, Sometimes that's its own reward. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I actually help those crazy inventors make it look normal. So yeah. I'm part crazy person. Part so, normal person. So crazy, like uh, like all the people on Greg's list. Crazy. Um, some of them are crazy. Yeah. Some of them, it's a rational, good idea, and they're doing it in a logical way, and and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you actually have to think bigger than is quote normal. That's all we're saying, right? By the way, it's not crazy in Silicon Valley. Every barista yeah. at Starbucks has a billion dollar company idea, right? And the smartest people in Phoenix say, maybe if I get it to five million, I'll be good. Right. So it's just a just a mentality thing. Right. It's all made up, by the way. 
like all of it. <laughs> Phoenix was made up and you know, SAS is made up and I made up contact management. I know the people made up the words CRM, contact, you know, customer relationship management. You yeah, do, you, do you know the alternative name that was proposed for Phoenix? Sorry, C- you're, you're, Seagull. you hit my, <laughs> my history. Oh, buff. there we go. Pelican. I don't know. <laughs> do I don't? Pumpkinville. Oh, yeah, that's okay. right. I am right. so glad for whatever voting body decided that that was a bad idea. Right. Well, uh, most people don't think this way, and I try to advocate it, but, you know, uh, and teach people to think this way. But most people run around and say Phoenix is Phoenix and Broadway Road and I-10 is I-10 and everything. And I look around it and I say, I know somebody made this up. Yep. And the first time they suggested it, everybody said, why would we do that? Yeah. And that doesn't mean anything. So if you go back to Phoenix... I know there's somebody who made it up yep. and, it, you know, people hanging out here is, I think, I think we ought to get a train line here. And I think we ought to you know, stop that. They threw rocks <laughs> at them. Right. So a few years ago, I met, uh, gosh, what was it? He, a, a guy recruited people to be on people's advisory c- committees and boards. And, and I said, I don't do that. I just do intensive therapy with crazy founders. Boards <laughs> get in my way. Right. So. And I forget his name. He worked at a bunch of companies. And and he said, well, I'm really, how did you get into this thing? Because you were in the uh, ambulance business or something. I, what, I forget what the name of that company was. It was pretty successful here. He said, oh, yeah, my family's pretty well connected. And so I can help connect all these. I said, so how, who's your family? We're the, we're the family that created Tempe. Hmm. We founded Tempe. Like, if you're old enough, you've seen the beginning of everything. Yep. And at the beginning, there's a crazy person. Yep. Mm. That's all. Crazy, bold person. I have every time for everything. So whether it's, you know, and um, I think we have the new show title. Crazy people start everything. That that's pretty good. Well, I mean, you know, I this is a law of nature. I, I'm describing and I didn't discover it. You know, Steve Jobs is saying we're for the crazy ones. Mm-hmm. Right. And by the way, he didn't want to be for everybody. Mm-mm. Right. No, he did not. He wanted to be just for the people who thought a certain way and were kind of making things happen, which, by the way, is where things end up. So eventually, yeah. so eventually over. you do get everybody. Yes, right. <clears throat> yeah. right. Remember, we're, remember, I'm a Mac. I'm a PC. Yep. Okay. Do you remember any other PC computer advertisement? Can you think of one? Creative idea from Dell or? No. Okay. I mean, no. they're not crazy. So okay. why would I remember anything they do? Yeah. Right. Well, Nobody remembers it. I do yeah. that for crowds. And it's a magic trick. Nobody remembers it. Everybody remembers I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he's saying, we're not for 90% of the market. We're just for the, you know, let's call yeah. them crazy or whatever. And, you know, they, they, there's a lot of brand story around that, yep. uh, crazy, innovative creatives or whatever. When I first started selling software in 87, if somebody walked in with a beard in my store, I'd say the Mac section is over there. And I'd be right 100% of the time. <laughs> but now we're all a Mac. Yes. We all have beards. Yes. Right? We're all untucked. Yeah. Like, well, how did he do and every, that? And every non-Mac looks like a Mac now, right? Like, yes, Everyone's trying to be. I know. That. I know. So, it's isn't interesting. that interesting? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was always, I mean, that's one of my things I always talk about when I give talks on, like, market strategy there and brand go. strategy is you can either chase the middle of the curve Mm. And constantly be chasing the trend, or you can chase the early adopter. I mean, this is exactly what you've been talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. You yeah. chase the crazy people, they create the trends. Yeah. And now the rest of the other 90% are just going to follow along without ever having to spend all the big dollars marketing directly to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you just market to that early adoption. 
Well, I don't actually think, you know, there's the early adopters and then there's the mass market, the big lump, yeah. you know, when everybody does it, right? The yeah. first people bought the iPhones, remember? Was any of you? No. Nope. First wave? Nope. No, no, no. Right. Uh, but people did. Oh, yeah. And we saw them all and they wouldn't shut up. Yeah. And then, but it wasn't our moms. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. And it wasn't me. I got the whatever round yeah. two or three. And uh, so, yeah, you got to play that game. Yeah. And remember, if if Steve Jobs would have sold the iPhone to your mom your, or, you know, or the business person, they all said this doesn't even work with Outlook yep. and Exchange. And it, it's not doesn't even work as a phone. Remember all the Doonesbury cartoons mm-hmm. where they made fun mm-hmm. of it? So there's not even a keyboard. What am they, I supposed to do with this? If they went to the middle, everybody would say, I don't get it. Yep. Right. So they went to the people who said, whatever it is, we'll love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And it started to move faster and faster. Yep. Right. So there's a structure to creating markets yeah. and getting traction and all that kind of stuff. It's not obvious to people, but there is a structure that cannot be defied. But those are the rules of the game. Takes a little I bit of crazy. With. Yeah, you, you got to be willing to take that risk. and structure. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. And right. focus. That's okay. That <laughs> yes. You hit the S word for well. For Chris. I mean, you know, that's my word. Like, I don't say process or any or science yet. I mean, it, there's a structure to it, like storytelling and music and football. It looks random, but it's not. Everything has structure. Well, it's it's yeah. the discipline that has to be there, right? To make to make all the crazy work follow. It's the follow through. It's the momentum, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's why I I use the word scale because you could be crazy and invent stuff, and that's mm. cool. And if that's your goal, invent more stuff. Uh, be a chef. Make any kind of food. Uh, create more art. That's awesome. Or make it a small business and be many things to many people. But things don't scale unless they are known as the best at something specific for someone important. So the mm. chef can make any kind of food, Thai ice cream and hamburgers or spaghetti or, you know, I don't know what, everything, right? You yeah. know, these people yep. and then uh, there, but there's no restaurant that's all food for all people. The first move into a business is one kind of food and one yep. kind of audience in one place. You're only ever known for one thing. Yeah. If, if you're at scale. Yeah. Right. I mean, we all have people say, I do a little of this, I'm a little of that, like the brother. But they're not known. Yeah. Everybody like, yeah, right. That's right. So, uh, and they don't scale and change the world mm-hmm. and they don't create big companies and all that. So there's a counterintuitive, non-obvious focus game of specialization that has to happen in the early days where mm-hmm. you cannot start being everything for everybody. And, uh, and few companies actually finally get so big that they go out and they're everything for everybody. McDonald's now sells everything that'll fit through a window in 60 seconds, salads and everything. But it was hamburgers until they sold 30 billion of them. Yeah. Okay. Then you can start. Yeah. Then, you know, then you can spread out. But, you know, the Chick-fil-A, which I talk about all the time, is a great example. Chicken. Yeah. Just Just chicken. chicken sandwiches. And they're two years away from being the third largest fast food chain in America. Starbucks, McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A. And it's just chicken sandwiches. They do 50% more same-store sales than McDonald's. Yep. And they're not open on Sundays. And it's just chicken sandwiches. But that's always when I want Chick-fil-A. Sundays. But see, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know you're trying I, Okay, so I, I got an amen you- from our, uh, our okay. producer. So uh, <laughs> most people, I just hear... Oh, there's a market opportunity. Somebody could be the Sunday chicken, chicken. sandwich company. Churches. Uh, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Popeyes. So chicken sandwiches is one of the many things you could do with chicken. It's just that one thing. So Chick-fil-A does three times more same store sales than KFC. 
because it's better. <laughs> okay. It's also known as the best. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a chicken sandwich. Is their chicken sandwich like a hundred times better than everybody else's? No, but they haven't put anybody in the hospital yet. I know. There you go. So when you and a really good service and it, yeah. you know, there's a couple the, add-ons. Let's, let's give them credit. This is they're going up against eleven herbs and spices. They yeah. are. Yeah, they are. That, I mean, no, they've they've killed the colonel. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Chick Fil A has the headwinds that they've made political statements, uh, and uh-huh, not right. everybody believes that. So and so we, so then are you a Chick Fil A or are you not? Right. Yeah. And so it there's a modern part of the marketing what people buy what they hear that's brand there's a values Mm -hmm. purpose Mm -hmm. thing in there is it a red or blue Mm -hmm. kind of thing or you know that's a modern part of the equation that didn't used to be there by the way you bought a car you didn't say what do you care about yeah it was a car and now we buy what you know more and more and more things what they care about yeah you know that's part of the package Sometimes whether the company wants it or not, right? It's yep. it's part mm-hmm. of it. They didn't seem like they were trying to push. It seemed like they weren't jerks about it, though, right? I, I don't know, to be honest. So, hmm. you know, the founder made statements and, you know. Oh, uh, okay. so I, yeah, right. yeah, I think it's... I'm not the biggest on current events, so. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit in the, like the Hobby Lobby yeah. realm where the, the ownership has strong personal values that have trickled down into the company a bit. I mean, if you go talk to an employee, I don't think they have a... a yeah. I'm sure you could find employees across the political spectrum at Chick-fil-A yeah. or at Hobby Lobby. And I know a lot of customers at Chick-fil-A in particular, just because I frequent there a lot and I know a lot of people that do, that cross the political spectrum, regardless of what this news stuff, because they're like, there's two things. I would say chicken, like you said, is the one thing, right? Yeah. Like if there's anything that they are known for. It's chicken. It's the one thing that shows up on every billboard um, spelled incorrectly, of course, because that makes you remember I mean, And that was intentional. They spent 15 years of being just chicken sandwich. Uh, so much they named the company yep. that and the, the mascot is the cow. Yep. Right? We don't do hamburgers, which is 50% of the fast food market. We yep. don't do hamburgers. Hamburgers are exploding. They can make a hamburger in five minutes. They don't. So it was intentional to Very say just chicken sandwiches against the wind. And I know, think there are other strategic move from a brand standpoint that they don't they don't promote this in their advertising and marketing but they're super family friendly yeah right like when i want to go take my kids somewhere for fast food there's only two places i think of and that is mcdonald's and chick-fil-a right Right. because it's the only two places where i'm going to get a a good meal yeah a decent meal you can argue if mcdonald's is really that great but um but my kids are going to get a toy and they're going to have a play place that i know is going to be fairly clean Yes, um, and accommodating for them, and that's like there's nothing. Once you realize like what fam, how families shop, you go, oh, <laughs> oh, this is huge. Yep. But like, I, I don't know. That's I, that's the yeah. other thing is like they've kind of figured out this two tone brand. Well, philosophy. the employees seem like they want to be there too. Yeah, right? and that's a trick. They all seem like they really want to be there. Yeah, they want to help you. Yeah. Yeah, I just spent uh, two weeks on the road on the East Coast and. I, that was the, one of the takeaways is almost nobody wanted to be there mm. serving uh, anything other than a very expensive meal. Yep. Right. Mm. So, which is a modern challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So, and, and there's, so that's another remarkable thing about service industries that figured out how to do the whole suit. I mean, you know, Hey, it's everybody wants to be there. Okay. That takes a lot 
of DNA and culture and process yep. and support. And, you know, you just don't show up and p- put a sticker out, right? Yeah, it's a right. whole different thing. So just by, by, by the posters, by the posters with yeah. the inspiration, the cat, yeah. just keep holding on or whatever it is, the cat. <laughs> can, can we ask you about? No. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Startups in okay. Arizona. We want to know about Greg's list a little bit. Yeah. Tell us what that is. Well, uh, Greg's list of Arizona software companies was is just a project I've uh, done in my spare time. When I left Infusionsoft uh, three years ago, literally that weekend, I just started visiting all my CEO friends who were head companies. And everybody's got the same problem. You have enough software service uh, for your current phase of life uh, to go sell, but you don't have enough customers, revenue, and growth. It used to be the other way around. You could see big open markets, and it was really hard mm. to make the technology. Now you can deliver the thing, make the chicken sandwich, but you don't have a line yet, right? Yeah. Or the newfangled, you know, whatever uh, that you're that you're making. So, so everybody's got the growth, the sales and marketing growth problem. And uh, so I just started helping and literally like three weeks later, because uh, I just had four or five meetings a day and we'd whiteboard. What's your biggest problem? Let's talk about that. Oh, thanks. You ought to talk to. Right. <laughs> so I talked to 25 CEOs. and I kept on going. My wife really didn't want me hanging around the house, pacing around <laughs> doing the phone calls, you know, oh, gotcha. like I was at She's work. Smart. So and this is what I do. So I literally spent, you know, I got to 70 CEO meetings here in town. Wow. And I had my little Evernote list on my phone. Mm-hmm. And people say, I'd, I'd say this, and they'd say, oh, you ought to talk. And then, you yeah, know, Ibrahim over here yep. who's in this building and, and others, and uh, uh, they'd give me an intro or a gnome. And nobody said no, and magic trick always works. There's always something useful I give them. I'm from the future of scale, and I, I kind of know this game, <laughs> and let's play. And it was helpful, and I learned something and all that. So I kept saying, you know, there's 100 software companies here, mm-hmm. and everybody in software said, no, there aren't. Because it's not a software town and there's no talent and, you know, there's, you know, you can't get money. And it's not really the kind of like the guys themselves and gals who are running these companies hmm. and everybody else. And I thought, well, it's kind of silly because I just helped create $200 million companies and I didn't need, I didn't wait for anything. We just showed up in the wilderness and started doing it and got money from Silicon hmm. Valley. And, you know, these were 500 person organizations and global scale and all that stuff. So. I, I didn't understand that. And I really hadn't got out of the building much in five years, you know. And yeah. uh, so I just kind of leaped out and started going, wow, it's fun to talk to people and There's... stuff. So so I said, I'm going to make a list. And uh, people said, why would you do that? Because they're on LinkedIn and there's other <laughs> lists. And right? Well, because you all say there aren't 100 companies. Right. Yeah. So there I, are. So here's the thing. Here's the epiphany moment when you realize that Every service provider, founder, investor, job seeker is saying, where is all the software companies? And all the software companies can't do it here. And it was actually true that we were doing it here. Mm. And there was something going on. I just said, watch, watch this. Mm. So I published the list. You can Google Greg's list of Arizona companies or Arizona software companies and you'll see it. And I personally, you know, update the list and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wait, do you know all these people? I know about half or a little bit more of them, almost all. So there's 390 companies mm-hmm. that employ 25,000 people. That's amazing. In mm-hmm. commercial software. These are companies yeah. that sell software as their main business. Everybody's got a developer. Everybody has a little technology in the business. There's a lot of service companies that build technology. These are just commercial productized software companies, SaaS, software as a service, modern web software, app companies, 
They're not semiconductor companies. They're not healthcare, biotech. They're not all that stuff. Yeah, it's just software. software. Right. Yeah. A focus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I get three times more requests. Can we get on that list? We are not a software company. Yeah, but we got software developers. Yeah, no. but you're not a software company. But you're not selling it's software. It's chicken sandwiches. You know, it's <laughs> no. So, 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 which is yeah. part of the magic trick. And so 50,000 people have seen that page. That's awesome. It's 400 companies now on the list. Yeah. It will be by the end of the month. Nobody says you can't do it here. Investors scour it and says, you know, Arizona is a great place to find companies to invest in. And we have our own type of company that we do here. And, and I did it without having a committee or a board or, a, you know, <laughs> just I just went and did it. it. Right. And so I just, I, half of it was for fun and as a byproduct of what I was doing, but it was really just to show you could change the mentality of how people think by one person, one yeah. crazy person who did the thing that everybody says you shouldn't do can actually pull a lever. And I just do it in my spare time. It takes me yeah. a couple hours a month. And where do you think that that impression that people have that you can't do it here? Where did that come from? Well, I don't know. Somebody started that rumor. I swear <laughs> to God. Because, um, you know, in Silicon Valley, the first ones there, uh, the Intel gang from uh, uh -huh. Fairchild, Robert Noyce and all those guys said, uh, we're going to do a crazy thing. And everybody said, mm, that sounds crazy, but we won't kill you. Right. Yeah. Maybe in other parts of the country, they say, you, you know, we will stop you. But uh, and now that's a normal thing over there. Mm -hmm. And basically, I've been part of Silicon Valley growth companies, funded venture capital things here. And uh, I'm tired of people saying, you know, we can't change the world from Phoenix and we can't do big things and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, not everybody has to go build a scalable global company. But, you know. That's what actually changes the face of the world, changes the face of Phoenix, changes all that. And these are normal people. I mean, Bob Parsons moved from Iowa, started a little office across from Sales Logics, tried three little businesses before he said, I think it's domains. And then he created GoDaddy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, uh, he's one of the crazy ones. Yep. Think big, do it, you know. And, um, uh, it's, he's got a lot of talent and a lot, but you know, it's, he's a mere mortal in the big scheme of things. So I wish Phoenix would think bigger, uh, Phoenix entrepreneurs would think bigger, uh, or some of them, not yeah. everybody, but some of them. And, uh, and I wish the people could, uh, who support that, like yeah. me and other people built bigger companies and capital and can rally around them. And that's what, that's what an ecosystem really is. You know, I'm helping you know, with the wave, you know, support the wave in general, right? I didn't create the wave. I just sure. publicized it, right? Yeah. So, or did you write it? Well, no, no, you publicized it. Yeah, I think there wasn't a wave that people knew about. The wave existed. It was people there. Said, I you made, made, you made was... the sign that says to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually pulled back the screen and said, there's a wave. And then everybody said, oh, there's a there wave. And uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Seriously. Greg. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, the... Uh, and I want more people to start companies and I believe in entrepreneurship and all that kind of thing. But I'm also trying to filter to find the 10 or 20 crazy ones who are really onto something, that, yeah. you know, and those are the people I help. It's a really hard journey and it changes spots and sports every couple of years. So, you know, you need a lot of help to get through it. And other ecosystems, Salt Lake and uh, Salt Lake City, uh, now New York, Seattle, mm -hmm. you know, just have a bunch of people that rally around the crazy people and say, not crazy. Yeah. Just don't care what your mom says. Would you say that that's like <laughs> the thing that's needed the most now is just that support that like those people saying, yes, you can be crazy and you can do it. 
I think uh, we just need more crazy people here. Okay. Okay. So I'm, partly I'm putting up a sign saying crazy people, welcome. Yes. Yeah. And this may be controversial. There's different opinions on this. Why don't we have more venture capital based in Arizona? There's no real – we have a couple seed funds, Tall Wave. Yeah, there's others. not a lot. No, there's none. There's no – $500 million fund that no. says we'll give you 20, 30, 50. You just go to Silicon Valley. Utah has six or seven of those mm. and five seed funds and, and all that. We basically have two seed funds and no venture capital. And we're twice the size of population, yep. right? So, uh, so we're not Silicon Valley. We're not even Utah or Austin or Denver. Uh, we're our own thing and that's okay, but we just don't have enough entrepreneurs thinking big enough mm. that say, uh, I have a vision worthy of a VC funded return, right? Yeah. And so that's my discovery. There's plenty of capital in the world. There's, and, uh, we just don't have enough people, uh, thinking big enough and then supporting them as they think big. That's the yeah. surprise. They just don't do it alone. Yeah. Right. And I've been part of the support community and I've been the alone guy too. So, so, so think back <clears throat> last five to 10 years in the Arizona software yeah. ecosystem. What has changed the most? If there's one thing that's changed the most, what is it? Well, 10 years ago, there really wasn't an ecosystem. There's a bunch of crazy companies and we all just did our thing. Kind of that pioneering thing. We all pitched a tent in the wilderness and started doing stuff. And like, we just didn't know what was going on here in Phoenix. I knew more people in Silicon Valley the first 10 years I was here than I knew in Phoenix. So we're just kind of independent. We just, we could do it here. You could do it anywhere. Let's do it here. So there was, you know, 90s, maybe five or 10 real software companies and then 20 or 30 and, and all that. So because of the modern mobile web and modern ways to build software with Amazon Web Services and easier, it's way easier and cheaper to build software. Mm -hmm. So everybody's in the software business now. Everybody has a pro sees a problem in the world and says the answer is software and goes and creates a software company. That's why there's 400 companies on Greg's list. So for one, there's just a lot more people doing it. There's plenty of big companies. We don't have, other than GoDaddy, which really didn't change the landscape and the mentality of Phoenix. GoDaddy's, mm -hmm. you know, worth, I don't know, five or 10 billion now. It's a multi-billion dollar yep. company and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, oftentimes these AOL in Virginia or Novell and WordPerfect in the old days and Salt Lake City, Microsoft and Seattle, mm -hmm. right? Just could have been anywhere. They you know, yep. skyrocketed the, and changed the face and, yeah. of the whole community, took over, mm. right? We really haven't had a couple, any, one or two or those, right? Seattle is fundamentally a different place than it was 30 years ago because Microsoft um, and Amazon, Amazon's the next one. It's fundamentally changing it. Boeing did a big deal. So they kind of get the hang of that. We just haven't had some big pillars there. So that, it's like, we need more crazy people. We're looking for that last crazy person to tip us over the edge. Well, we need some, some of, we need a lot of examples where everybody says, Oh, that's what you do. Mm. That's normal. Yeah. Right? That's make, all. make crazy normal. Yeah. I don't sound too crazy. I mean, no. you know, do I? No, I, that's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think crazy like a fox. Yeah. Is that a good way to spin it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you actually just have to be different and early and thinking a little bit beyond the here and now yeah right like what's coming we're creating that wave i love that metaphor mm. i think that's helpful of like just getting people in the right mindset to go no you can create the wave you don't just have yeah. to ride waves you can yeah. create one but if you're riding a wave if you have another 
social media monitoring app or whatever, and you're 32nd on the list of Google, you don't exist. It's yep. In the long run, there's you three of them. You have to create it. Right? There's Uber and Lyft and Coke and Pepsi and yep. Ford and Chevy and iPhone and Android. Yep. Right? In the end, when everybody does Nike it, there's Reebok. two. Right. That's it. So be one of the two. That's kind of the long run game. So before we get to the last question, uh, which we're going to talk about scaling point a little bit. Did I answer any of your questions so far? You know, yeah, kind of riffed around, went into left field. And I have around immensely for a while. enjoyed oh, okay. this. I just checking. No, this has been awesome. So, um, but um, we so so we're going to ask you to help us build this podcast and get us there. We go interesting guests, more crazy people yeah. like yourself, right? Um, so, who are the three people we should talk to? Who else should we get on this podcast? We want three more crazy people. Three crazy, just the. Just think of the craziest people in Arizona that you can think of and just bullet them out. Well, get uh, Bob Parsons on here who did it in software. Now he's doing it in the real estate, another game. He's still an Arizona guy. Okay. You can get uh, Brad Jananga who mm-hmm. helped create WebPT. Now he's got a new big thinking company called Chassis. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, I I uh, helped Brad and and Heidi Janang in the early days of WebPT. There were seven of them, and they were up and running and already going. They were on to it for making physical software for physical therapy offices, the ones we drive by in the retail stores, right? The little mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. They were using faxes and you know, um, you know, for everything. Uh, and uh, they said we can make some web based software for them. They were the ones who were the first pioneers to move downtown. Warehouse, yeah. And I was there the first day and. I said, I haven't been downtown here in 15 years, and you're the only software company within six miles of here, and now That's it's the crazy. place to be. So, and they, That's awesome. And, and they literally stood there and said, yeah, you know, someday everybody's going to be doing this. It's okay. Yep. I mean, it's kind of the trend, isn't it? You go everywhere, and everybody's going to, in the brick wall, downtown, urban. You so know, hot right now. Yeah, so hot. <laughs> and it, in the beginning, there's a person. So, so Brad would be another um I don't know, and I would have to ask you more depends questions like it depends on who you're really <laughs> trying okay. to reach. Let me ask you one, one more person who nobody knows about, but who people will know about. I think most. you get Brian Baird of OfferPad. Oh. Okay. So he's the number one real estate agent in, in, in uh, Arizona. And with the guy that, you know, bought most homes in Arizona after the recession and created the industrial, you know, uh, institutional buying of, you know, groups of homes, uh, they paired up and they have offer pad, which is hmm. changing the way we bu- sell our homes. Okay. So he, he was in the industry and saying, you know, everybody hates the experience of selling a home. You got, you go through the nine nightmares. Oh, yeah. First of all, you have to talk to a real estate agent, then you have to super <laughs> clean your house and then you have to fix everything. And then you have to price it. And then you have to get out of the house and keep it clean and with the pets and like the whole rigmarole, then the paperwork and the offers and all that kind of stuff. Um, just cause it's only been that way forever. Yep. And everybody in the real estate industry is institutionalized. I get my piece of this and then you go to that person and then you get slapped in the face and you take, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, sympathies to the real estate market, but it's a painful process that it's should be super easier. Super painful. So, so OfferPad, you know, you can uh, sell your house for most kinds of houses, not every house, not yep. you know, just the just the ones they serve in Phoenix. You can go on the website and get a reasonable price for your house and sell it in five days, and they'll yep. take care of everything. They'll move you, they'll package it, they'll sell it, they'll fix it, they'll they'll just yeah, we got it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And they're you know they're going to be the next billion dollar company here. Mm. 
and it's going to change the way the real estate industry, some of the biggest industries of the last to change, you know, it's going to be a huge company. And I came from being crazy. Yep. You know, sometimes you literally have to be crazy, right? A hundred people tell you, uh, smart people say there's no way and you keep doing it, you know. Um, maybe that's not very rational or whatever, but he had the insight that people really don't want to deal with all this stuff. And he mm. kept offering it. Like, how about we just do that for you? And everybody's like, you would do that for me? Right, I'll do that. I'll just do that. And and then he, really, he just discovered people say, can you just do it all for me? Mm. Well, can need- I give you this? And then you give me money and then I yeah. go buy a house and then that stuff shows up there. <laughs> and uh, that's Uber. Yep. That's Jimmy John's. Yep. Um, mm. that's it's just, finding that just problem and, and, and creating a solution for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, mm. it's not rocket science. Ooh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heavy lifting in there because it's oh. actually, yeah, there's more <laughs> no, than no, just no. The, this. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's yeah. simple in terms of easy. Yeah. Right. But it's not, it doesn't require an advanced degree in astronomical physics. But maybe, but maybe. We were talking about like if only we listened to people well, we would know that those businesses were needed. Yeah. See, yes. that's the that's the myth that only rocket science is innovation. Yeah. Okay. How about this thing that was sitting right in front of us? That there's 400 software companies in Phoenix, and and everybody says we don't have any. Okay, yep. there's one. Or how about everybody hates the real estate selling experience? I don't know there's a minority that like it. Sure. And you know, I'll sell your home, and they just want to do it. And that's fun for them, and you know, but. Most people don't. And no, it's the same reason like most people don't want to go to the dealership. Right. And that's why Carvana exists. Yeah. So the crazy thing is saying everybody just thinks this way and there's a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. It's actually easier to move a street 50 feet over to the other side of, you know, 50 feet one way. Mm-hmm. Right. Than to mm-hmm. change people's minds that, you know, there's a different that's way. way to do yeah, it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, um, so next question is who should sponsor our show? <laughs> preferably, oh, I, mean, I got to do all the heavy lifted. Speaking of heavy lifted, preferably, so. <laughs> preferably a whiskey company, whiskey based. Okay. So, so of some kind. here's the game. I could throw out all kinds of numbers, but if you say we're really for just these people, mm-hmm. then I, then the answer is it's obvious. Actually, are you for the early stage software companies? Then you should get the co-working guys. If you're for the cool kids that hang out in bars, uh, then you should get the whiskey guys. We just want whiskey. Right. <laughs> okay. So, by the way, uh, this, you know, this is what magazines are and TV shows and the rest. They are aggregators of specific audiences in order to sell a sponsorship. So here's my recommendation to you guys is, uh, you can go either way. You say, what's an audience we care about that's underserved that we could be mm-hmm. the best thing for them and then go find sponsors that want to reach those guys or figure out what you want to get and find people who want to sell it. So <laughs> otherwise, I'd say, I don't know, just go, so, go knock on doors. <laughs> I'm serious. Yep. That's a way to do it, right? But scale comes uh, counterintuitively from laser focus. And uh, imagine uh, Steve Jobs multi-billion dollar company 30 years in with his hiatus and everything in Apple and stock price and everything. And the fastest way to grow the company is to say, we're not for everybody. We're just for these people, which is catnip to everybody. Oh, I want to be that. And how I'm definitely that. By the way, there was a time when workspaces and started where you could start with 12 Ikea tables and wireless Mm -hmm. internet. 
right? Which in 2007, 8, 9, that's when the turn happened yep. and only the crazy people started. And, uh, but now that's how everybody does it. Yep. Right. So I have my, my Mac laptop and if I get Wi-Fi, that's where I work. And, you know, the old, old world, all these buildings and everything, it starts to, it starts to change, right? It takes a little while to do that. So that's, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Right. Segue into talking about this thing called scaling point. Hmm. Tell us about that. Well, scaling point is my business at scalingpoint.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that reminded me of the old, uh, Dot com era things where you had to say dot com. Remember that? When yeah, you had to say, yeah. Remember when you had to say color TV? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, right. So uh, that's my business and my focus. Uh, Not in our house, yeah. but I do remember. Yeah. It, it, uh, we had to say it in my house. We didn't say it for six years because we only have black and white. So why would you, you know, ever, <laughs> why would the topic ever come up? I still mentor a ton and I talk to CEOs. I talk to three or 400 CEOs a year. Um, but I really help. Uh, 25 or so of these crazies all over the country and and uh, soon to be uh, all in Europe and, and Australia um, to make the turn from the initial startup phase, which you think is the final answer, but then you realize, oh, that was just to get me on the playing field and see some things and start to make payroll and prove some concepts and test. Startups should just be called experiments and then mm. we'd all be, mm. all be uh, better off uh, thinking about it. But some of the startups don't make it. Some of the startups turn into small businesses, like the, what do you call it, an escalator, a broken escalator? Just stairs. Stairs. So what do you call a startup that doesn't scale? A small, a small business. business. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so then it's a small business. So no, that's okay. But the ones that say someday this will be huge, hmm. um, they actually have to change a lot of spots and sort themselves out. So it's part marketing, it's part products, part strategy. And I have a process and a structure for going through that in a couple mm. months so I can get them the other side. So, uh, it, and like with my, uh, I was on the phone with the UK this morning, an entrepreneur there is going to, and I said, the difference between a $1 million start, startup revenue, 1 million pound turnover, <laughs> uh, and 10 million is, uh, that the startup is still like the ADD experiment. Many things to many mm. people. You're, you're trying to, by the time you get to 10 million, you're a uh, focused OCD, you know, uh, and there's a scale game in there. And this, the words product market fit are common as part of the, what has to happen there. But, uh, there's a turn, uh, to make the revenue marketing sales growth side go faster. Mm. You can always build enough product and then they realize. Oh, if people don't line up for this stuff and then cheer when they use it, uh, it's not going to change the world. Mm. And what's the magic trick there? It's not Steve Jobs try to sell it to everybody, including their moms. It is to sell it to the early crowd over here in the corner that say, wow, this is amazing. You ought to get it. And mm. we all squint on the other side. I'm not sure yet. And, but all those and smart I, people are doing it and I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So there's the myth of more you have to break with, uh, you know, Entrepreneurs in the firefight. You get in the firefight, the world changes. You get up and running, you get payroll and customers and everything, and you want to say yes to everything. But it's mm. the, that's the trap. And so, I, you know, there's a way to solve that, and that's what I help them through. That's Scaling Point. Uh, and I write about a lot of these concepts on the Scaling Point blog, and, you know, people can – the Chick-fil-A story is on there if you want to mm. check it out. I have it. checked that out, and I Checked it out? I, re- <laughs> I recommend it. Highly recommend it. It'll, it'll feed your soul. Oh, with yeah, I'm just trying to make another food reference, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I feel like you're trying to bake them into the show now. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. I'm sandwiched between you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a sound, bit of a sound engineer. Got anything? I'm, I'm a got bit anything of, on I'm top a bit of in that a pickle right now? I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm stuck now. Okay, let's let's close. <laughs> All right. Um, I I we I think we had two more questions. Did we on the back page, Chris? There's a back page. Not to be confused ah, with Backpage.com. That'll okay. get you in trouble. Well, I think uh, I think we're solid because uh, we got to introduce the company. Yeah. And, all right. Is there anything in particular yeah. you want to highlight that you've got coming up? Any event, yes. projects? Yes. Maybe a success story? Something uh, no, they really can fast. check out Greg's list or ScanningPoint.com. Okay. But, you know, here's the one of the metaphors I use is the beacon, right? For a lot of people to say, well, I'm not at scale and these ideas and focus, that's not, I don't really want to do that right now. But for people listening that are, they say, I'm onto something. I, I have a product or service and over in this corner that's really amazing. And I want to make a big company out of that. These are the people I talk to. They can reach out to me directly on scalingpoint.com. I'll have a conversation and share some ideas. They mostly don't know what scale looks like. Uh, and so the stepwise journey to get there, uh, everybody has to go through it, but it's not obvious when you start. Okay. Let me ask you one quick question. What do, is there a way people feel like before they talk to you? Like, how does someone know if they're listening right now and they're feeling a certain feeling in their heart? They're like, <laughs> I have, I don't have peace about payroll or something. I don't know. Well, everybody who's up and running, let's, running a business is hard, whether it's a small business that's successful or a startup that's lost or finding their way. Making payroll and doing all that is really hard. And so my honor, I totally honor every entrepreneur who's going through that. The people that come to me and that when they, they've said, I've been doing this for a while. Gosh, I had this big appetite, all these tactics, all these features I could build, all these people I could serve, all these use cases I could do, all this. I can make any kind of food for anybody. These are A players and they really could make that food. And then they're starting to realize three times after hitting their head against the wall, hmm. new sales team, new marketing tactics change. And they realize, there's something deeper going on. Mm. And the, the dream of changing the world and building a big, valuable company is actually threatened. It will not happen until you say, you're going to survive and figure out how to do it, but we're going to start to be just the best in the world for some, somebody uh, mm. in a certain way. And that's when traction happens. That's actually mm. product market fit. Most people have product market unfit all over their business, right? Just because you sold them and they're forced to use your product doesn't mean this is the revolution. Right. Right. The revolution is the people that say like the 10 people who I sold act to yep. 10 out of 10 came back and said, this has changed my life. I just want to personally thank you for doing that half hour demo and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what it looks like. Hmm. And and nothing less. Uh, it has to be fireworks coming out of their head in order to hmm. scale for the buyer, user, whatever, all those kind of things. So, so fireworks are coming out of your head. You know, you know, Scalingpoint.com. There you go. Yep. Boom. <laughs> Sound effects. Yeah. No, I, I mean, even just to get that one epiphany. I tried it 20 times and everybody's frustrated, but these one guys, you know, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. Amazing. That's amazing awesome. scales. A kind of good, kind of bit, kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that does not scale. Mm -mm. No. Nope. Knock on doors harder. Laser focus. Love it. Greg, thank you so much for coming. You're quite on welcome. Today. Yes. Happy, to, happy to play. Inspiring. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I've got lots of thoughts rolling through my head of my own business and people I work with. And, and we didn't even say the B word. No, we didn't. Brand. Which is perfect. Right. Because we don't want the B words a, is a bad word. Right. People don't like that word. Right. So, yep. Yeah. Thank you, Greg, so right. much Happy for coming on. 
Um, and thanks for all of our listeners uh, coming on today and checking out AZ Brandcast. If you enjoyed the show, you can find more on the Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just uh, search us, AZ Brandcast. And you can also sign up for our newsletter at azbrandcast.com and connect with us on Twitter at azbrandcast. And uh, hopefully you're listening right now on Business Radio X. I want to give them a huge shout out, Yay. Karen, our producer, for making this happen every single month. Um, and we have to give a quick shout out to our gracious sponsor, Conscious Capitalism Arizona, and for making us a part of uh, Phoenix Business Radio X Network. That's right. This is Mike and Chris signing off. See you guys Yay. next time. Bye.